Three friends plan to pull off a simple robbery and go on the run. This is Movie Time Machine. Hello and welcome to Movie Time Machine, where we take movies from the past and relive them in the present. This week's movie, Bottle Rocket, released in the year 1996. Directed by Wes Anderson, written by Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson. I'm your time machine host, Chad, and I love the Beastie Boys. <laughs> I'm James, and I love Ben Folds 5. Hey, this is Jamie. I like Coheed and Cambria. Hey, Casey here. I've uh, been listening to a lot of Modest Mouse lately. All right. Welcome to the show, and welcome back. Glad to be back with everyone here in this uh, kind of fucked up time everyone's living through, but now it's the time to kind of break away from the shit and just try to bullshit and have some fun so what do you guys been watching lately anything that's uh you guys want to bring up for this week uh well just because i'll stay on the trend of all the swearing happening right now um i did recently (laughs) watch the jay and silent bob reboot um that was on amazon my wife was out of town for a couple days and i thought to myself she's not going to enjoy this so i'm excited to watch it (laughs) (laughs) so i thought i'd get that off the list so um it's about as enjoyable it's as enjoyable as you want it to be. If you enjoy the other stuff, all it is is throwback humor um, uh, and or the same jokes that just bring the nostalgic back. So it's only OK. But if you enjoyed, you know, Clerks, Mallrats, Dogma, if you get that far, then it's it's enjoyable enough. There's um, a lot of cameos in there that were pretty laugh out loud funny. Like Matt Damon does uh, does a bit how he was the original Loki before tom hiddleston and it's actually a pretty funny one minute clip i'll send it to you guys that's a super inside joke too for marvel fans that's really funny so i may not get it i mean you'd get it enough (laughs) i think (laughs) (laughs) oh anyone else um i caught a different movie on netflix so I, I'm not super versed in the Netflix original horror movies, but the ones I have seen have been pretty cool. So I watched this one the other day. It's called Cam, and it's about um, a girl who she's she's a cam girl and performs a show. And while I know that sounds a little off the wall, just bear with me because I, <laughs> I, I would I would. But no, it actually it does some really cool stuff um her profile gets hacked and taken away from her and someone else starts running her account so the movie's just kind of her trying to figure out first of all what happened how they could have her account and kind of what she does about it um i would say it starts pretty hard horror but then the rest is kind of like a cerebral mystery it it definitely wasn't the movie i thought it was going to be but i was really pleasantly surprised it um kind of was like unfriended but way smarter so yeah, check out Cam on Netflix. Cam. I feel like I'm super ignorant. So are we talking like Pornhub style Cam? Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. At first, I thought she was just a, like an influencer, and I'm like, who cares? Make a new profile. She's okay, an influencer with nudity. <laughs> but actually, I mean, as far as that stuff goes, it's pretty PG-13 as far as the nudity and sexual content. So. Um, for people who aren't super into that, it's actually not as bad as you might think. Cool. I think that's that's a trend I've seen in some of the Netflix originals, especially the the not heavily maybe advertised ones. I think it's because we were talking about that Czar show, right, Chad? That that they oh, uh, yeah. that's a Netflix yeah, show, chat. right? Yeah, I think that one uh, that one specifically was very much. Uh, I think they they tried to follow the game of thrones model and throw enough boobs in the first few episodes to try to hook people i think netflix is starting to do that i'm i'm, I'm on to them yeah yeah i mean that's a trend I, again i think we've kind of talked about this a couple times now like here recently just it was just i think unnecessary like yeah sex scenes and like kind of like kind of intense sex scenes graphic sex scenes i guess but sexual graphic sexual content <laughs> well and Jamie, i think is, is sorry that a movie that, oh i was just gonna say is that a movie you watched with your wife 
It absolutely was not. I watched it at uh, five in the morning when I knew she was asleep. It was no, not a her, secret. No, we, thank you. Thank you. Next question. You watched it at five in the morning when she was asleep. Now, she's going to wake up and go to Netflix to watch, you know, Parks and Rec and see, oh, what else is in my queue right now? And it, what does the poster look like to have her question? Why did you pick this? Husband. Cam, Cam two twins. No, it's. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I did want to address what you guys said, because um, I do think that that's kind of why this movie works is because you think it you think it's going to be that but then it kind of plays with that idea and it doesn't give you that it kind of turns it on its head and has a broader statement about um you know online online sexual exchanges of one's body for virtual currency and yeah i don't know it was kind of way more um insightful than i was expecting I guess I can see what you're saying with because I remember God, what was like 97, 98 when Wild Things came out, like like the yeah. prime of like Denise Richards and Nev Campbell. And like everybody wanted to watch that movie because it, it showed them kissing in the preview. And then I don't know if you guys remember, I think it turned out that the movie beyond all that was actually a pretty good mystery. <laughs> I never saw Wild yeah. Things. Did you guys yeah, see it's it? It's been a long time since I've seen that one. I never saw, but I I only saw like the the memes of the time. I think uh, they like did a parody on the MTV Movie Awards or whatever. <laughs> like the pool of scene. The pool scene. Oh yeah, yeah. The pool. <laughs> for sure. That, like that was the the '90s version of memes, right? With like parodies and things that stuck out. Oh yeah, culture. definitely, definitely, most definitely. Yeah, Casey, you got you got anything for us this week? No, uh, I, I haven't been watching anything. I did listen to a really good podcast, if you're into podcasts. The yeah. most recent This American Life was a pretty fascinating story about a, uh, a Native American woman who does a little bit of her own detective work because there's such a weird jurisdiction mix on tribal land because it's yeah. like not local jurisdiction. It's kind of tribal jurisdiction. So when yeah. people go missing, a lot of the times no one knows and no one searches for them. Yeah. So it was, uh, I thought it was a pretty... Uh, pretty relevant thing to to listen to uh, given everything that's going on with black lives matter i think uh to to also shine a light on other you know races and and people groups of people that are maybe not given the same luxuries that we are is is important too i thought that was pretty powerful and it's a good story yeah speaking of podcasts um do you guys know larry wilmore um he had his he used to be like a correspondent in a daily show for a while. I yeah, 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 yeah. Black on the own, air. Yes, black on the air. It's really good. Um, definitely would check that out. He always has great t- content, and I really missed his show. I thought his show, um, was it called the Nightly Show? Yeah, I remember seeing. I never yeah. watched it, but I saw clips from it that I thought were, it was were really, really well done. I think it was just too black for people. What's <laughs> I mean, the name of the podcast? The podcast is Black on the Air. Black on the Air. I'm adding it yeah. to my uh, Google Podcast. Yeah, it's really good. Um, definitely check that out. I mean, he's had some really good interviews on there, especially like the, this year in general. I mean, it's been some good stuff. I don't really have anything off the top of my head to share, but yeah, just just scan through it. There's some there's some good ones in there. Yeah, he had a <clears throat> Chad. Did you listen to this week's episode? It was just like ten minutes long. He kind of said a few words about George Floyd. Yeah, yeah. yeah I just see that yeah, here, was... George Floyd episode. And then yes. right before that, Ahmed Arbery. So, man, yeah. heavy shit, but got to listen mm-hmm. to it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, his comparison's pretty profound. I mean, everyone should listen to it, but he just he compares racism to a virus, specifically COVID. And I, I won't even try right now because I won't do it justice or say it how he said it. But, yeah, it's it's the way he explains it just makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, really good. Really powerful. Check that out. But uh, outside of podcast, I've, uh, you know, since I'm a dud and I pay for cable and Womp. I have, I pay for HBO, but um, which gave me access, free access to the HBO uh, Max service. Um, so I've been diving into that. And one cool thing about it, it has a large portion of the Criterion collection on there. Oh, nice. And for a long time, I've wanted to like dive into the Akira Kurosawa movies especially i know like some of his films really influenced george lucas to create star wars um so i started watching uh the hidden fortress and 
And about halfway through it, I've been just kind of watching it here and there. as like, as I'm doing some menial tasks while I'm working at home. And it's really cool. I mean, you get, there's, it's not like bit for bit, but there's some like very obvious scenes where it's like, oh, I get where George Lucas like borrowed this and borrowed that. And like, you get like the, uh, the screen wipes, you know, transitioning the scenes. And so as a big Star Wars fan, it was very cool. So yeah, anxious to get more in. More, yeah, get more into some of Kurosawa's films, and there's also the entire Studio Ghibli collection is on there too. If you're an anime oh, wow. fan, those and I haven't so, had the time to watch. Yeah, so I that watch one. It was um, is it I guess Nausicaa, can, can you can yeah. you recommend the most accessible one? So my wife isn't into anything animated because in her mind it's just a cartoon but i think these are such mm. m- much more of an art form than a, yeah. a cartoon right yeah so i i want to make her like sit down and watch one because i think if we watch the right one i think it would uh it would maybe get her into it so what would you what do you guys think those who have seen any what do you think is the most accessible uh, i don't know i mean maybe um that's the name of it. Like Spirited Away? Spirited Away. Yeah. That is, one is, seems is really like the cool. most like universally accept that that's the one I think is the most popular or the, yes. the one that more the most people would would maybe have seen. Yeah. yeah Into so. the Spider-Verse, I think, got really good. Oh, you know too. what? I, that's that's not true. I did, we did watch that and she really enjoyed it. So maybe that'll help open it up. But we did watch Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, that that is like one of my favorite movies, I think, of 2019 animated or not like that's again we, we watched that with like entire family here at home and like angela really liked it too so it's yeah that yeah, movie has a uh, real universal appeal i think <laughs> yeah i think my wife even said something like oh wow i didn't imagine that i was going to enjoy that as much as i did yeah i think it's hands down probably one of the best like um like superhero movies um in my opinion, from what I have seen. And um, probably the best Spider-Man, the best thing that, to do justice to Spider-Man. Because yeah. Spider-Man as a genre, like as a comic, did spawn a bunch of different art styles and a bunch of different themes yeah. and, and whatnot. So to kind of give homage to that, but also like go even further to have like a cartoon pig one and a noir one. Like that that was just, I don't know, it was brilliant. I got to say, talk about your all-time backfires. You guys started talking about Spirited Away, and I thought you were going on the themes of, like, Moving Castle and Princess Mononoke, and so I threw out Spider-Verse as kind of a joke, and you just (laughs) went with it. I mean, I agreed with everything you guys (laughs) said, because I love that movie. My wife watched it with me. My wife loves that movie. And I was just like, huh, I'm just going to mute my mic for a second and just sit back. (laughs) What have you done? I kind of thought that, but hey, you know, just went with it. But yeah, the other ones like outside of Spirited Away, even like I think like Howl's Moving Castle and My Friend Totoro. Just watched that one too a couple weekends ago. And it's really like great storytelling, I think. For sure. Or not, so. but well, yeah. I'm going to quick bring back to Kurosawa. Um, I did. I, I had to Google him because I'm obviously not a film buff and know much. But the first thing I uh, that caught my eye was Seven Samurai. I've heard a lot of good reviews about that being a, a big inspiration for people who watched a lot of, um, like westerns and yeah, for sure. So I think that I I, I might put that on my list. Uh maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't. I those his movies I've wanted to cover like as a group. So maybe we can do that in the future, but. I really like what I've seen from Hidden Fortress so far. It's, you know, I think for sometimes with older movies, it's kind of harder for me to get into. And oh yeah, for sure, it's black and white and it's subtitled and yeah, it's it's really good so far. So yeah, check it out. Maybe so, once we all get through our directors, we uh, just do a group one of Kurosawa. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I'm down. All right, um, that's what we've been watching, listening to, etc. So, this episode is um, our dive into Wes Anderson's first first film we're covering with him. We're going to do it in chronological order, um, covering the movie Bottle Rockets. Um, it's based on Anderson's 1994 short film of the same name. Uh, in addition to being his directorial debut, 
Uh, Bottle Rocket was a debut feature too for the Owens brothers. For <laughs> for the uh, the Luke brothers. For... <laughs> uh, Bottle Rocket was the debut feature for um, brothers Owen and Luke Wilson. Was that really? The... Was it both of their first movie? Yeah, outside of um, that short film of the same name. Wow, it was like a fifteen minute short. So yeah. Um, yeah, it was a commercial failure, but this launched Anderson's career. Um, one note, uh, director Martin Scorsese, uh, later named Bottle Rocket in one of his top 10 favorite movies of the 1990s. I think he had it at number seven on the list that I saw. So, which is pretty interesting, um, based on, I think, you know, I think we'll probably agree that maybe this isn't, uh, Wes Anderson's strongest movie. But the budget, um, this was released on February 21st, 1996. Um, it was a budget of $5 million, so it's about $8.35 million in today's dollars. Um, its highest rank in the... Its highest rank was 41st, and the maximum screens it was on was 49, so it was a pretty limited release. Uh, some of the reviews that you see, Rotten Tomatoes, 85%, Critic, Audience score of 80%. IMDb, it's average of 7 out of 10. Letterbox average is 3.5. So, Casey, this was your pick of Wes Anderson yeah. um, to go on a run of films here. So, why don't you just tell us why or you picked Wes Anderson, kind of what you like about him. Then we'll go into just general movie discussion of the film. Bottle Rocket. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, Wes Anderson, my my pick for director. Um for two reasons. Well, yeah, kind of two reasons. Uh, the first, obviously, uh, he's probably one of my, uh, maybe my favorite director. One of my favorite films ever is a film of his, uh, The Life Aquatic. Would, If I, you know, someone put a gun to my head and said, tell me your favorite movie, that's probably the one that I would say. Um, so that, obviously, reason number one, you know, pick my favorite director, right? Go with that. Uh, reason number two is I think uh, a few of the people in the pod, Chris mainly even, um, hadn't seen a lot of it and uh, and the ones he had seen maybe gave him a bad impression so I wanted to to make sure we all you know got to watch the movies that I liked and I guess thirdly uh, Bottle Rocket specifically um, I was uh, I was actually talking to the coworker of mine and he taunted me a little bit because we were talking Wes Anderson and then he brought up Bottle Rocket and I had to admit that I'd never seen it um, so he was giving me grief that uh, how do you call yourself a Wes Anderson fan and you haven't even seen his first movie <laughs> so that was uh, the, a lot of the motivating factors for going into West. I, I love Wes Anderson, uh, Wes Anderson films. Every one of them just tickles me in just the right way. Um, I, I don't know what it is. It's just, he's got this style about him. It's so unique. No one else does it the way he does the way he pans his shots. Um, he's so meticulous with cinematography, with, with his colors, with the way he frames and sets up every single shot. Um, it's very reminiscent to me of of watching a play. Um, they're very very well framed, um, you know, and, and that he uses the space on screen in such a way, for the most part, that frames things in, in a way that you can't do on stage, but kind of uses that same principle. I think um, he tries to create, I don't know, just so many perfect pictures. You could take screenshots from so many different frames of his films and blow them up and put them on your wall. Cause they just look so perfect and symmetrical and, and, uh, and just so well thought out and, and artistic and just, uh, nice on the eyes. I don't know. It's just got this, 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 uh, allure to it. So I, I love Wes Anderson. Like I said, my favorite, uh, movie probably of all time is the life aquatic with, with Steve Zissou. Um, not only do I have, um, one of my, my tattoos, I have a, a big sleeve on my arm that contains a Jaguar shark specifically for this movie. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, not only that, my wife and I walked down the aisle and we got married to a song from this film and, and from one of my favorite bands. So, uh, I, this movie plays a huge, uh, sorry, the life aquatic, um, plays a huge part, uh, in, in my heart. So What's, that all, what song that, is that? uh, it's, yeah. uh, from Sigur Rós. It's okay, the song yeah, when yeah, they first see yeah. the jaguar shark. Okay. We'll, we'll get, uh, uh, spoiler alert. Um, we're gonna do a pod on the life aquatics. We can get into it then. But that nice. scene is like that. That'll give me tears almost every time I watch it. I love that that mo- part Aww. of the movie. So, dude, I was yeah, just I gonna that. say, Seager Rose makes me cry. Oh, dude, yeah. 
top that's one of my five favorite bands i could have brought that up for for uh iceland right oh yeah the mm-hmm. best the top two best concerts i've ever attended in my life were seeing them the two times i saw them wow so yeah. good phenomenal but that's another thing for another time wes anderson i love him now bottle rocket um i don't know that i would probably watch this movie again to be quite honest um it's so funny because I can see all of the things that I love about Wes Anderson. I can see him trying and it's, it just feels a little bit off the mark every single time. Um, the, the, the slow motion scenes with really good music and here, just some of the, the framings of the shots just didn't seem to work as well with me. Um, and, and maybe even, the way that they presented, I think there was specifically a slow motion music scene with Owen Wilson and just the the look on his face and the way they framed his shot. I was like, this isn't a great shot. This is kind of, I don't know why you're, you're slow-moing on this frame specifically. I, I thought <laughs> it was kind of took me out of the moment of the scene. Um, that being said, there were, uh, there were lots of gags and jokes that, uh, that I did laugh at. I thought uh, there was, he's such a clever writer um, and the way that he writes the the kind of quirky conversations and, and the way he hides little things like, I don't remember what the word was, but uh, Owen Wilson specifically used a word completely wrong. Like instead of discerning, he used like digerning. I, I don't remember what the word was, but it was hilarious. <laughs> and no one called him out and they just continued on with the scene. And I just started chuckling because it was like a perfectly placed little joke. So there's lots of really good bits and good nuggets here. Um, but overall it it kind of felt like a film student doing their best Wes Anderson impersonation <laughs> as a huge Wes Anderson fan. And maybe that's the problem is I've, I've watched everything else. And, and now I'm finally watching his first film. Um, I could see all the things that I really liked, uh, but it just really didn't do a ton for me. Yeah. It's a huge departure. Like this film, even going into Rushmore, um, you could definitely see see that there's a big jump there, and like, um, I think across the board, uh, this movie is full of like harsh cuts too. Like, yeah. I think I was saying this in the chat where, um, it's like if you blinked your eyes, you you would be like, how what how did I get here? There's like, I, I can't remember the scene where they're like where Owen Wilson's character is driving with like James Khan in the car, and uh, it cuts from them in the car to like them sitting together on like a bench in like another scene. It's like, boom, boom, boom. I'm just like, I was in a yeah. different thought for like one second. I'm just like, what just happened? What just happened? I'm like totally lost. I missed out what was going on there. But. Right. And and not only that, but they, he makes those cuts mid conversation and you're expected to just believe they stopped talking for a little bit, got out of the car, walked to the bench, sat down and then continued on with the same thought. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There was <laughs> right, a specific right. part where they were walking and having a conversation and then it cuts and they're in the car driving and he responds to a question he was just asked it's like hold on time out you thought that entire walk about your answer got in the car started driving and then gave it gave the answer (laughs) i think i think he he learned quickly that if he wants to do those cuts he can't do it as jarring as that because i don't remember being that jarred in any of his other films yeah it's uh it's a hard movie to to track. Um, I found myself like trying to read through like a a plot description to try to like understand like different parts of the movie to kind of help me remember it. Yeah, because <laughs> there's yeah, it's just it doesn't flow the greatest. But I like the, I like the characters in it. You know, it's kind of I don't know if it's in, as intentional, but like the characters are kind of like you know the kind of zany. I don't know what how to describe it. Zany but, is a good is, term. <laughs> <laughs> like a little offbeat off yeah and especially uh dignan you know just yeah what just, kind of name is dignan dignan i know i've never <laughs> heard that at first name. when i thought him said i thought his name was dag and i was like oh cool half fish half man but <laughs> <laughs> and there was one scene where i swear they say his name six times in like a 20 second span yeah and that's when i when i thought dignan what a weird name right? i think he was on the ground and he's like saying his name dignan 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 it's like what yeah, but you but uh, but right before we get too further too, I wanted to touch on like just Wes Anderson in general. I know yeah. you're talking about just like you know like his filming style and like his panning shots and um, 
you know, as I was going back and rewatching our next movie, we're going to do uh, the Royal Tenenbaums. I was Woof. automatically, I uh, was like, oh my god, like I just got like this huge like Stanley Kubrick vibe. Yeah, <laughs> their, their film, their filming styles are pretty similar. So I was like, I need to just Google this and just like see if like, you know. If if this is like a real thing, if these somebody else is making these comparisons, there's got to be a comparison video yeah. out there. And there's a couple of, um, leave a link to a couple of the YouTube videos Great. in the show notes. But yeah, if you definitely have time, check those out because it's like a quirky like, Kubrick. Yeah, yeah, but quirky even like Kubrick. the font that he uses, you know, at the beginning yeah. of even with the beginning of Bottle Rocket, I was just like, oh, it made me think of uh, the beginning of A Clockwork Orange. So. It's kind of like that big, bold, kind of late 60s kind of font. So, yeah, love it. This movie, not so much. Yeah, it's probably not a movie I need to go back to watch again. Um, this isn't my first time watching it. Oh, okay. Um, I think the first time I watched it was probably, I don't know, it's maybe like 10 years after the film had come out. So it's, sure. you know, I'm a big Wes Anderson fan too. And it was kind of like one of those movies like, oh, like, I need to go back and check this out. And, right. You know, it's like, it's kind of a fun, quirky movie, but I mean, it's definitely not a great film. Um, but it's maybe one of those things, if you're a Wes Anderson fan, just maybe go back and watch it, just kind of see like the evolution of like the steps that he took from um, this film into Rushmore, which came two years later. So. Yeah, I absolutely but, um, don't regret watching it. I actually had um, the opportunity to talk to that same coworker who was, you know, giving me grief for, for not seeing it, I, we got to have a, a chat as we were in some Zoom meeting, um, you know, earlier this week, and and he made a really good point, and I, I'm going to just steal it from him because it was because I think it kind of really hits the nail on the head for me, maybe in it, in terms of why I'm not a huge fan is this uh, in relation to all the other Wes Anderson movies, all the other characters in those movies. Um, first of all, there there's they don't really talk a lot about time. Um, there's not a huge sense of what period they're in, right? Whereas this film was very, very, very quintessentially '90s, like the the yeah. the color, the theme, the music, the the vibe, the hairstyle, the clothing. It was just kind of stuck in the '90s, and that might be why you know, I'm not a big fan because the '90s is kind of a weird period. But all of his other movies, not only do they not have a huge sense of time, even if they kind of do, but it's a very vague sense of time. Um, there's also this element of, and, and I'm stealing my coworker's word here, but whimsy, right? It's almost like larger than life aspects to some of these characters, yeah. which makes their actions seem, I think, a little more goofy and and to the and, and more story like. Whereas in Bottle Rocket, this is a very realistic, like all the dialogue and the people. It's very much more down to earth, and it's lacking kind of that that whimsy. And so maybe that's why kind of their flippant attitude and there's this weird half-baked heist it, it didn't just it didn't resonate with me maybe because it was missing kind of that 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 one little bit of of kind of i don't know i don't want to call it magic but kind of goofiness that additional layer yeah yeah and there's parts too like because i think i watched i watched like half the movie at first and i just had to go back then i sat down angela and i watched it together and like it took me like two times just to be like oh they're they're robbing the, his mother's house. <laughs> That's why there's a big deal about the earrings. And I totally missed that. So it's a lot of stuff that kind of like flies through the story too fast or doesn't give like enough context to, unless I get, totally missed it again before they go on that, the, you know, robbing the house. But yeah, I mean. Well, and, and I didn't really catch that right away either until he yeah. talked about the earrings and giving them back. And then I caught it, but then I still wasn't even sure the purpose. Like, were they, are they like doing a trial run of how they would do a robbery? It was just such a dry delivery of that joke of, Oh, they robbed your mom's house that I wasn't really sure what the purpose was, but it was just right. one more thing of them being weird and, and yeah. illustrating kind of their weirdness. Yeah. But then in retrospect, it's a, it's a funny joke, like that go rob your own parents' house. Cause obviously, you know, where all of the valuables are hidden. Right. <laughs> And so, but then they never talk about it again. Like, there's just no consequences. Right. right. And like that, there's no. That's another thing. There's no consequences. Period. They rob that store at you know holding people up by gun. <laughs> they leave town for a bit and then just come back and it's no big deal. Get a job. Right. You know, whatever. Right. They just put tape on their nose. Of course, right. everyone knows who they were. 
<laughs> I know even the one guy's like, uh, no why do you have tape on your nose? <laughs> oh, man. That's why I think that, um, like, putting this together, like, you could tell, like, it, A, it was the first movie, and also, like, it was probably based on some sort of short film, because it seemed like a lot of just inside, not necessarily inside jokes, but just, like, funny bits that they're like, how do we make this flow, and then put it all together somehow. Yeah, that's a very good point. It kind of felt like a series of sketches that were intertwined over a theme. For sure. Yeah. And and that's a, and uh, to your point, Casey, like you nailed it on the head for how I felt about um, how I, I mean, again, I like you guys. I like Wes a lot. And uh, but I think you nailed it with a lot of his movies or all the rest of his movies, minus this and maybe Rushmore, all feel like plays. Uh, it, and especially because when he had uh, like for Tenenbaums and Life Aquatic and going forward, he has a little bit more money to play with. And so he can actually set these sets and design the way he envisions them where in these scenes, like he sets it up, maybe like a scene from a play. And then we have these like, I don't know, dramatic cuts. And then you don't know what the hell's happening. <laughs> like you guys right. are saying earlier too. So you know, I think Rushmore is a really good example of, of where it starts to turn too, because technically Rushmore is a fairly realistic story. A kid at, at a private school, you know, and the hijinks he gets into. But I think he adds that that element of, of I'm going to keep using that word, whimsy or larger than life, because Max, the protagonist, like, he's in all these clubs. Like, no kids would have enough time to be in all these clubs. He's, like, leading these initiatives that adults would be leading. You know, he's taking adult-like responsibilities, and, and then that's part of the whole story, too, where he, like, falls in love with another adult because he's such an adult-like character. So I think this that was a, a perfect bridging movie for for Wes because he started adding those elements of of weirdness and that's i mean rushmore was the first Wes i saw and hands down i love that film that's probably my top three wes's jamie so that's the end of my point yeah i want to hear something from jamie jamie you're hiding in a cave can you come i'm hiding please? i'm here hello hello plato he's actually Jamie's actually too busy thinking about what it'd be like for Max from Rushmore and Jamie Flick from uh, Election to have babies and what kind of nightmares they'd be. <laughs> I've still never <laughs> seen that movie. Either of those. That was Rushmore? a double, double negative oh. reference, James. Oh, now I feel bad that I didn't uh, put Rushmore on our list of films. That's okay. I do want to see it, though, because, yeah, everything you guys said um, made me add it to my mental cue. So that's awesome. <clears throat> Um, so I, I guess I would just start by pretty much echoing what you guys have already said. It would like, if I could sum up bottle rocket in a sentence, like bottle rocket, it was fine. You know, I, I, I probably, I probably won't watch it again. Um, just as much as you guys have said, and Wes Anderson's weird because he's one of those directors where I thought like, I could have sworn that I had seen at least four of his movies, but I've only really seen Tenenbaums and Grand Budapest Hotel all the way through and it's like really have I not seen more West and I, I really haven't so this was kind of fun for me to start off fresh in my mind and I couldn't help but think too I'm, I'm really glad you brought up the uh, feeling of being stuck in the 90s and how his other films you're not sure what time they're in because one of the thoughts I had when I was watching it was like god damn Reservoir Dogs was such an influential film you know like I could just feel it like if if you flipped a coin, you know, heads would be what would happen. Like if, if there was a heist, if you flipped a coin, heads would be Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs. Everybody dies. Tails would be Bottle Rocket. Like everyone's fine and they go on this whimsical adventure. You know, <laughs> it, I just I no. couldn't help but think of that movie because they have the, the two heists and then they have the breakfast scene where they're all gathering around the table talking yeah. about it, too. And, um, yeah, and, you know, I, stuff like this, who knows how long it takes a movie to get made. It could have very well been written at the exact same time. And they they are very different movies. But, you know, it just whatever was going on there in the 90s, like maybe all young dudes wanted to rob banks. I don't know. Diner conversations. Yeah. Right? Diner. Yeah, how, is, that's such a trope. 90s, 90s, is that diners, 80s, 90s, maybe before, but like it's dead now, right? Like everyone's on their phones and Twitter and mm -hmm. shit. No one's sitting at diners. No. It's no. too bad. It's such a funny trope. It's so familiar. 
You know, here's the deal. You guys are all wrong because I'm pretty sure in the last Avengers movie, like Hulk had a whole diner scene. They're all trying to like get <laughs> oh, him. It'll to... never go away. <laughs> They're all trying to get him to do a time heist. Are more people going to diners than I know about? Maybe it's just more of a out of Not the city right thing. Well, it's just a yeah, lot easier right. to see people six feet apart in a diner. Yeah, that's true. Shoot um, that scene. <laughs> so Reservoir Dogs was actually 92 when it came out. So it maybe had some influ- influential uh, situations because that was written before clearly with Tarantino. But that's um, the whole stuck in the 90s thing. Like that's where I couldn't remember if I'd seen this movie before. But every part of me was like, I feel like this is the movie where he like the main character uh, friend helps him escape from a hospital that he voluntarily goes to and like uh, and then i the movie starts i'm like okay yeah that's exactly the movie i'm thinking of uh, but i beyond that point hey, i had no clue where the movie was gonna go but every part of me says i definitely watched this in the 90s because this is certainly <laughs> this is certainly during that time when like uh jamie you're right like i was watching reservoir dogs i was watching this i was watching rushmore like anything that was like indie film like because that was the time like yeah. this like 94 yeah. to 97 sweet yes. spot of indie films of yeah. clerks and all that were coming and out Mar-Rats. and and Mar-Rats. like we're just getting or like we're just loving what's coming out with all these new directors and all these independent films and also uh i don't know about you guys but i also figure hey if it's at like the uptown or lagoon theater or like these independent theaters this is going to be the best movie of my yes. life and i would go to all of them and i i feel like i was amped up on that where i bet when i saw this at the time i probably loved it but also immediately forgot it and uh so watching it this second time around i was never so happy that it was only 130 minutes long um and uh, because <laughs> like, it sold my wife on watching it with me honey for sure an hour and a half well and then you had to then she was like are you sure you don't want to watch moana again and like i don't know it's a soundtrack it is a good soundtrack (laughs) uh but the 90s nostalgia of it uh also just reminded me of like a little bit like what this it's felt like in this movie this was the place where time the place that time forgot it made me feel a little bit more like napoleon dynamite where you're like this could yeah. be 80s and 90s. I'm not really sure where it takes yeah. place, but I don't even know what state they're in. Um, I was going like, to say that, James. Like, sorry, I mean, cutting quick, but like, no, get for some there. reason it did get, I was like, why does it, it does, it feels like Napoleon Dynamite in a way. Yeah, because yeah, they were sometimes yeah. on backcountry roads, sometimes in a city. So it's like, and and they did that in Napoleon Dynamite too. There's just random shots in different places. That included <laughs> I don't know if it's something country, about like, not like country. colors and like the music and i don't know that's i was like trying to think is like maybe napoleon dynamite somehow was influenced by maybe we can get to later just kind of how wes anderson too maybe when we're done with these four films like the kind of genre like like this that he's influenced but um i digress but Mm -hmm. yeah i was like i feel like this napoleon dynamite kind of vibe but yeah well uh one go for it jamie Oh, I was just going to say, unlike Napoleon Dynamite, one other thing I realized was um, even, you know, with all the quirkiness, I'm trying to think of a director who had like these two actors, Luke and Owen Wilson, who are just like, if nothing else with my first film, like, here you go, world. Here's the Wilson brothers. You like take them and run with them. And, you know, and Owen Wilson has so many credits to his name, Luke, to a lesser degree. But I mean, these guys really had some huge roles coming out of it. And if anything Wilson, was... idiocracy and how <laughs> different are they i think that only oh, yeah. if you didn't know beforehand that they were brothers and you watched this movie i don't think you'd have any idea see i always thought they were twins i gotta be very honest with you really? maybe i don't know maybe i don't know if they are or aren't to be honest and also can you guys not give credit to andrew wilson he was future man he's also their brother oh really no yeah. way <laughs> good trivia in idiocracy he was beef supreme and what yeah what's oh, what yeah. about <laughs> Beef Supreme. Beef Supreme. Did what? Did Wes have anything to do with that? With Idiocracy. With Idiocracy. That's is Mike that just Judge. a Wilson thing. Oh, it's Mike Judge. Yeah, that's yeah. the yeah, that's the office space guy. Yeah. What is with the nicknames then? Future Man, like Applejack. There's a couple other nicknames. Yeah, Applejack. <laughs> was that a '90s thing? Nicknames was that big in the '90s? I mean, that was Reservoir Dogs. I mean, yeah. Mr. Pink. Mr. Pink. I'm just oh, kidding. Oh, <laughs> maybe that's where they got. Why do I gotta be Mr. Sense. Pink? <laughs> yeah i would i i thought the same thing i was like 
Applejack, Applejack. And then I was in the shower. I think it must have been this morning. I was like, Applejack had a heart attack. I was like, I, maybe that's how he got there. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, and Apple ran. Hey. <laughs> um, but so, like, when we were talking about just, like, uh, it's, like, stories that they piece together. So it was this was news to me when I was, like, kind of, like, looking at credits as the movie's going on. Like, Owen Wilson's getting, like, a writing credit. And I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. But then I noticed he got one in Tenenbaums, too. And I was just like, has yeah. he written more? And he really hasn't. He's just done stuff with Wes, which leads me to believe that I bet all this movie is is a bunch of Owen Wilson and Luke Wilson stories. Like half half of them are half of them are true. Half of them are really, really embellished of the, <laughs> them growing up as kids. And then Wes is the guy that always wanted to be the director and just started putting stuff together and be a storyteller about it. That's my thought. Oh, yeah. That's actually I a thought. funny observation because to me, this movie felt like it could have been a kids movie, like kids playing these roles because oh, for all, sure. they so just Owen felt like Wilson they were dumb kids the whole time. On the writing on it, this movie would have made more sense if they were like, I don't know. I was trying to uh, thank you for saying that too because I was trying to gauge. So if they were 10 years younger, would this be more like what high school kids would do and like just be over the top with walkie talkies and not know what yeah, they're doing? Kind of. And, and yeah. that's kind of where it took it, it to it. Like but also, I don't believe. Movie. Yeah, but I was like, I was like, but would I think it's as funny or better if it was a, a kid's movie like this? I don't think I would. <laughs> I think it's better as adults. It just I, I think it was it could have been more polished. But again, as a first movie in an independent film, go nuts. You know, I love too, like at on. the very beginning where, you know, you got to see it. at least they're in their mid 20s. Right. And uh Dignan in his notebook, he has like a 75 year plan. <laughs> yeah. That was very reminiscent of Wes, like the way yeah. that he presented his plan. The West that, always has that a list. felt very Wes. <laughs> yeah, there's always a list. You know what, guys? But, uh, but... Great trick, though. Sorry, Casey, I cut you off. No, I was uh, say what you're gonna say. I was gonna actually go to, to something James said. Oh, I was just gonna say it's amazing like talking about it as we're getting into this conversation i i want to go back and watch the film more like i don't know if it's a great little bait and switch that he's pulled on my mind but i as soon as this movie was over i was like you guys said i was like oh yeah that was good i i don't need to see that again that's fine but the more we talk about it the more i'm like oh i should go back and watch it i never had that thought after watching the movie oh, funny <laughs> i was that way with uh with a sp- with uh 2001 i not that I, I didn't walk away thinking i don't want to watch it again i walked away being okay with it but then the more i sat and stewed on it and thought about it and talked about it i was like yeah i really 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 like that movie um so maybe it's similar here where yeah i wasn't impressed the first go around but the more you talk about it and think about maybe the little jokes you missed or the things that you did appreciate about it it's just it's hard because i've seen everything else wes has done and in comparison it's just not is good. I was actually uh, something James said specifically about um, about being unpolished. I remembered distinctively when he was talking when uh, Luke Wilson's character was talking with his sister in the park. I remember there being so much like background park noise, and I was like, "This is yeah. awful. You would never <clears throat> yeah. get away with not like like this is detracting to me from the scene having that like ambient noise." And so to yeah. me, that's when it felt really unpolished, like. Yeah, that's not uh, so not only background noise, but then there was also background music that was like fighting with the background noise for my attention. Um, That scene really took me out of it. And that's kind of I think maybe that gave me a really sour start. And then it it, obviously I enjoyed watching it as it went through, but maybe it just started poorly. And that's what's influencing my my kind of takeaway. So what about the music for this one? This film? I feel like Wes Wes Anderson. That's another kind of. Yeah, great great soundtracks. Great music, yeah. Yeah, I like yeah, no, he's always got great soundtracks. And I don't have any uh specific like songs that came on. It just, but the songs that did come on, I I enjoyed and I thought fit the scene really well. Like I there was and it's just something I noticed in a feeling. Like I don't have any really good examples. So if anybody else does, go nuts. Yeah, it's all um most of it's done by one artist. Um Mark Mothersball. Yeah, Mark's uh he did the He's done a lot of really good soundtracks, actually. I think he did. Uh, he did Lego shoot, what was movie that Steve Carell movie with uh, Little Miss Sunshine? Is that that movie? Oh, that's so oh, good. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's done a lot of really good soundtracks. I have a, a few of them on my computer. He was in Devo too, and um, did a bunch of 
yeah. like video game soundtracks like the Jack and Daxter franchise on PlayStation. Oh, yeah. Awesome. He's he really did good. Bottle Rocket. He did Rushmore's soundtrack. He's done a lot of stuff for Wes Anderson. I think he's done, did some stuff on Tenenbaums too. I thought. Um, let me. He's got a long list. I think he of... did like the opening little. Oh, the dun 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 dun. Maybe, maybe I'm making the instrumental. Up. No, I don't. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Soundtrack's really good. Mark Mothersbaugh. Oh, he did Mothersbaugh. Thor Ragnarok. Oh really? Yeah, I yeah. Think he so. has like quite of like a you know range of Lego yeah. And I think movie. he did like the Lego movie. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say as it's far as Thor goes, two. definitely video game ish soundtrack. So. Yeah. Nick video and Nora's Infinite playlist. Oh. Is that any good? I that was a I, that holds a place in my heart. It's a cheesy like. It's cheesy, cheesy bad indie movie, but I don't know. I, really I was gonna say it. it's a love story starring Michael yeah, Sarah. Basically. Okay, cool. <laughs> He did Life Aquatic, Rugrats, Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah, he's done a ton of stuff. Hey, actually, while we got while we're reminiscing on that, do you guys want to reminisce over the movies of '96? I mean, yeah. yes. It's not like no. we have we haven't been doing that the whole time, of course. But, right. <laughs> um, but like, hey, well, I was looking over some of these. I feel like we talked about some of these '96 movies, uh, but I can't think for the life of me what movie we re- kind of went over that was a '96 movie. The game was 97. Yeah. Uh, but I just remember talking about like the birdcage, Titanic. Yeah. Um, Scream. What was, what do we do that year? Man. Oh, hold on. Titanic was a mini series. It wasn't the actual, cause I was like, wait, oh. Titanic was like 97. So maybe we didn't, maybe I just saw Titanic and thought we did. But as far as like um, movies that year, like Space Jam, come on! Yeah, um, right. Never seen Independence it. Day, Independence Ooh, Day, which Independence Day, thumbs up or thumbs down? Here's the deal: you watch it now. For me, it's kind of a <laughs> thumbs down. But I remember yeah. specifically walking out of that movie and going, "That was the best movie I've ever seen in my life." Like really? I was, was so cool excited effects for the time, but now it just didn't age well. For sure. Um, ones that still hold a special place in my heart as far as special effects go, though. Twister. I still love that movie. Oh, Cow. Yeah, yeah. oh Twister rocks. Matilda. Um, childhood classic. <laughs> Jerry oh, Maguire was in 96. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, some special ones for me. Uh, the Rock. Um, oh, I love The Rock. A Time to Kill. Uh, Biodome. Bio oh, Happy Millmore. South Central. <laughs> Man, classics. Did anybody Dream. ever see the movie Frighteners? I love that movie with Michael J. Fox and uh, the the Busey son. Oh no, I haven't seen that one. No, I enjoy that one. It's also like it's also the, like man, ninety six. Talk about talk Happy about the Gilmore. beginning. Yeah, Happy Gilmore. Oh. Talk about cable cable guy. Oh my god, so good. Cable guy. Cable guy. Ooh, Fargo. Um, Fargo is awesome. No, I'm just looking at some of these movies though, and you're looking oh, at like. Shine came out that year. Dragonheart and Frighteners and like I'm just thinking this is really the very beginning where CGI started getting oh, yeah. slightly better like Twister even uh, and Independence Day. Slightly it, better but if you watch it now it, it doesn't hold up very well. Oh yeah. for sure not but like that's why I'm it looking at this going. Good. I'm like why did I love all these movies? I'm like <laughs> I probably need to rewatch all of these and just be really disappointed I think. Like Joe's apartment. I mean, it's it's cockroaches and they sing. Oh my goodness! Oh my god! <laughs> How did they do that? Did you well, guys like, see From Dusk Till Dawn? Uh yeah, that movie's awesome. No. Oh, thank you, James. I was hoping you would say that. Yeah, isn't that Robert Rodriguez's like second movie after like El Mariachi Desperado Times? Yep. So yeah, yeah, that movie's got um that movie's got a lot of good one-liners, I would say, and uh, Clooney Clooney helps with all that. Absolutely. Yeah, and Quentin actually, he's not half bad when he's acting. Who'd have thunk? Agreed. Like he played that part good. Well. Ninety six had the uh, Baz Lerman Romeo and Juliet. I that was a big fan of mine. I was a big fan of that when I was uh, a little younger. See, that's the thing is, I that's another one I I remember enjoying when I when it came out in the theaters. I don't think I've seen that since. He he has a really crazy weird style too. Maybe I just like weird styles. Yeah, Baz would be another good one to do a one-off uh, review on, I think. Yeah, Gatsby was really good, too. I don't know if you guys saw that one. but Gatsby? Yep. What Gatsby? The uh, great Gatsby. Gatsby. Uh, no, no, I know. That was just yeah. from the movie. 
I'll Thanks. pass on oh. that one. Thanks, guys. Damn it. Train spotting. Oh, classic. Yeah, yeah speaking of like kind of indie movies, because that was like a David Boyle's, like one of his first, I think. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Ooh, Mars Attacks. You guys see Mars Attacks? <laughs> Thank you. God, I loved that movie as a kid. <laughs> so good. You know, okay. <laughs> the international sign of the donut or whatever. <laughs> Do you know that, like, okay, if you remember Mars Attacks well enough to remember, like, there was the alien that pretended to be, like, a woman and, like, the White House yeah. chief of oh, staff, yeah. like, followed her. Do, uh, and it was really awkward. And, and uh, Tim Burton weird. was, like, dating that that actress for like ever like that's so she got into like a few different of his movies like just for roles like that where it was like hey i have big boobs and i'm gonna walk down an aisle and people are gonna notice me oh man funny that's the movie that uh i first fell in love with natalie portman which it wasn't the professional when she was 10 no too young yeah no i appreciate that pretty young in mars attacks too but i was she's in mars attacks yeah wow i don't remember that she's like the president's daughter or whatever yeah president's daughter i think like I have that in VHS still. Oh man, save that. It's a treasure. Save that. Yep. It's a treasure. Don't be a menace to South Central. Oh, I love hood. Don't be a menace. <laughs> it's so good. Swingers. So '96 wasn't that bad. Yeah, pretty good year. Friend of the '90s. Again, I think this is you're in that like, um, you know, that era of like great indie films. Yeah. So it's like. Kinda... I just like I'm looking at this and it just seems like it's a lot of it feels like a lot of original content, not a lot of sequels. Yeah. And I mean, ooh, 96, Chad, you uh, you threatened us with Terry Gilliam as a director at one point. Twelve Monkeys was in 96. Oh, yeah, I did threat. Make that threat. (laughs) That was a threat. (laughs) (laughs) I love that film. Uh, It's been a long time since I've seen it. I don't know that I could really give it an accurate uh, assessment without rewatching it Damn, oh my it's god just on tv like over like this last i was just gonna say it was just like a month ago like over the holidays but it's june <laughs> i remember it being confusing how do you guys feel about beavis and butthead do america that was classic <laughs> i remember also, I, we went oh, i remember a friend of mine we went we're, this is when i lived in the fair but we went to like a park got super fucking high and he's like hey man we should go see beavis and butthead yes <laughs> so we went saw beavis and butthead oh. this is also the you first... were the exact demographic for that yes film. <laughs> <laughs> you done did it um uh mission impossible the first one came out that year dun, dun. i stand no by the cares oh come on chad I, st- <laughs> I i stand by the franchise i love those movies i stand by biodome Polly Shore, anyone? Let's go. Instead of doing yeah. directors, can What's, we do what was actors? Polly Shore's line all Let's the do time. four Polly Shore movies. Oh my god, I love Son in Law. Let's do that one for sure. <laughs> oh goodness. God, what was Polly Sh- when he was on MTV? He'd always have the thing. He'd be like, "Yeah, like what was his little one line?" He would always. Hey, say? buddy. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. <laughs> that wasn't even, and that wasn't even a one liner. That's just how he said everything. Sometimes, yeah. Just keep chilling. Yeah, he was just. Man, you can ju- yes, exactly. And uh, that pause. Didn't he have a? Didn't he have a TV show like it was called "What Happened to Polly Shore"? Polly Shore is dead or something. Polly Shore is yeah, dead. I, yeah, I guarantee that's what it was. Because he was like the man for a while, and then see ya. the weasel. <laughs> the, oh my goodness, he was a staple. Melons. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well. I think we've definitely gotten off the gotten off track. As soon as we start talking about Polly Shore, we notice yeah, our rapid things up. Rocket. Whoa, where do we go? <laughs> um, Chad, do you have in the notes here? Uh, am I officially a Wes Anderson fan now that I've seen Bottle Rocket? Yes. Um, he get the stamp change. He got the badge. <laughs> yeah, and actually, it, it, I'm glad. Again, I'm glad I watched it. I think um, it was really interesting to kind of see the the things that I really like about Wes, but as he was still kind of figuring it out. Um, so like, clearly I appreciate this film because it helped, you know, as a stepping stone to get him to Rushmore, which is a phenomenal film. Um, so I really enjoyed that. You know, it is what it is. We had to get there. Uh, for what it's worth, does anybody mind if I read, uh, Chris's notes or just say, yeah, no. yeah. just Please. let everyone know yeah. Chris can't make it because, uh, Chris buys houses on a whim. Like I buy candy bars. It's an impulse. Wow. Buy, but yeah. 
last week. <laughs> hey, we we're kind of looking this week. I'm a I'm a new homeowner. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> and now I got to figure out how to sell this house. Um, so no, good for you, Chris, uh, for being an adult. I appreciate you. Uh, but anyways, Chris said I'll do this in my best, Chris. Uh, Bottle Rocket, uh, just okay for me. Uh, there was a lot of dialogue in this movie, uh, more than in some of the other movies. Uh, but more dialogue does it not equate uh, good or meaningful dialogue. Uh, this movie, uh, to me, seemed to be in two parts, uh, the motel and the heist. Some parts didn't always seem to click. Uh, for me, like the whole Bob and his brother thing, uh, there future was some man. cool... Future man. <laughs> there was some cool shots to look at, uh, but ultimately the movie fell flat for me. Wow, Chris. Okay, no, I totally get what you're coming from there. Um, I think... I think yeah, this is the disagree. first movie in a while that we've all like agreed. Like <laughs> we all kind of share the similar, like similar opinions on. Well, that was the funny <laughs> thing this morning. I'm like, I had just arrived at work and my phone started blowing up and it was you guys going, I don't want to ruin anything, but I apologize for every- making everybody watch this movie. <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> but no, well, I mean, don't- if I walked away, not really enjoying it that much. And I'm the Wes Anderson fan. I was a little worried that uh, it would rub people the wrong way. I, no, I, there are some really funny moments. Um, I think uh, we have here in our little show doc uh, the the kind of Inez short film or that that part in the motel. That was actually super funny. How he was just kind of hovering behind her and just talked at her, even though she couldn't understand it. Yeah, I thought that was a really quirky and kind of cute, endearing scene um, between the two of them. So there was still some some moments that shone through because you know it was Wes Anderson. It wasn't all bad. Um, but I think I'm just comparing it to all those, all the other ones he's done since then, which were so good in, in my heart. Yeah. Great. And okay. <laughs> yeah. Jamie, did you talk at all about uh, Anthony and Inez's um, like love story or was that you that want to talk about that? Or was that you case? No, I'm just, I, it, it says Jamie in the show doc, but I just peeled it instead of talking about it because that's what I do. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I have nothing further to add. It was just when I was watching it, I, like Casey said, I was like, oh man, this would be a great short film because I didn't so much care about the heist. Um, I mean, there was some funny stuff, but like the heist before and the heist after it's like, oh, you take this little slice out of the middle and it's a cute, quirky little rom-com that doesn't feel like a rom-com. It just, yeah, it feels like a dopey guy chasing a girl he can't speak to. And they're both beautiful. I want it to work out for them. Can we just talk about Inez's skills? Like, I'm guessing in the movie, it felt like they were only gone for a couple days, but her English got so much better. Yeah. Like she's just a really impressive. Yeah. Did, uh, did I tell you guys that this movie was filmed about 20 miles outside of where I used to live in Texas? So no way. Yeah. I, cause I was actually, I was watching it and I was like, ah, oh, this seems really familiar. I was like, I need to like dive into Cause I knew like Wes Anderson was from, uh, Austin, I think. At least that's where he went to film school. Austin, Austin, Massachusetts. Austin, Massachusetts. Austin, three sixteen. Austin, Austin, Minnesota. Texas. Austin, Minnesota. Home, Home of, of spam. Austin, Minnesota. For everyone, if you love spam, it comes from Minnesota. Um, I digress. What was I talking about? Texas. Yeah, just want to throw that out there a little bit. That's significant though, because I've made this mistake with California until I lived there. Texas is freaking huge so for it yeah. to be nearby something you know is not just texas be big that's yeah. texas has like has <laughs> texas swamp be big texas has swamp land texas has like great plains and texas has mountains <laughs> crazy <laughs> you sounded like uh bubba you're like uh we got we Cook got shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> Texas got Texas got small. Texas got Great Plains. Lame Texas got real. mountains too, and plateaus. I think I think I'm hating. Uh, I, I'm loving our dialogue about this movie because we all feel the same way. It was kind of underwhelming, or just not what we were expecting with Wes and with seeing a lot of his other films and enjoying his films. Uh, but then. Jamie, you nailed again, like all these little things we're talking about. I'm like, God, do I want to watch this movie again already? Like, I, I feel like I'm missing out, but I have to assume our dialogue is similar to how this movie got made. Like, it was just so funny and just these little quirky things yeah. just were so good to them that they just needed to figure out how to piece it together. And right. this is what they came up with in the end game. Right. I know as we talk about it, I, I hear still that little like 
that little song that kind of plays throughout in the background of this film, you know, like the do 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 do. It's like a video game song. Yeah. <laughs> like a RPG or Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe not RPG. Maybe like a side scroller. Like a Pokemon like, like a... you're walking through the the country Like when you, when you're oh, in the village. Better. Yeah, it's there the you village go. music. I was it's just gonna say like music. final, like Final Fantasy, like oh, the yeah, first one, like village, yeah, like vill- yeah, village music, yeah. That's the best way to put yeah. it. Village music, diner scenes. This, this yeah. movie has everything, <laughs> guys. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of Movie Time Machine. Just to let you know, new episodes of Movie Time Machine post every Friday. You can probably find it on your favorite podcasting platform and service. If you want to support us. If you can leave get a chance to like, subscribe, leave comments for us, send us a message. You can also find us on Twitter at Movie Machine Pod, Movie Time Machine. Bye. Bye. Bye.